Hello and welcome to In the Rising, a health and wellness podcast for those going through and those supporting those going through cancer. My name is Bettina Brown and I'm board certified in physical therapy, wound care and lymphedema. And you know, for me, cancer is very personal. It's affected my friends, my immediate and my not so immediate family. And therefore I created this podcast and fitafterbreastcancer.com to address the multiple dimensions of our lives during and after recovery. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm really happy to have you here. And I have a question for you. How often do you contemplate or consider what you're eating? Or do you feel that you're contemplating and considering what you're eating way too often? You're tired of talking about it. You're tired of hearing about it. But I will tell you that I had that question, what am I eating? When I discovered something. So as a young mom, I was busy and I was multitasking. And sometimes that was multi-success. More often it was multi-failure. But I was busy, busy, and I decided to just put in a frozen pizza in the oven, give it to us, you know, all as a family. And my son decided to take off with friends because they're only here so often. And I just kind of put everything up and I did not find his piece of pizza until about two and a half, three weeks later, under his bed. Because why else? I mean, why would it not be under his bed? And what I was realizing in that moment is that the pizza looked like I had just taken it out of the oven. There was no mold, there was no problem. And if I would not have known the last time I made frozen pizza, I would have thought it was from early that day or the night before. It really made me question, what am I eating? And my conversation with Madeline Clevin was just about that. What am I eating? What considerations am I taking? And how can I make it a little easier on all of us? If you stay to the end, I have a little gift for you, and I'm excited to have you hear our conversation. In the Rising podcast, and and thank you for your time today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I read about you, and I, you know, <laughs> I'm putting it putting it out there. I love I love your history. I love what you're doing. Uh, but before we're going into safety, food safety, that you also talked about that you're a, a new mom. And congratulations to that. <laughs> That's a big deal. Thank you. Thank you. And it also says you're a cancer survivor. And as a mom and cancer survivor, the topic about food, what's going into our body is at a very heightened level. What brought you to really feel as passionate and, and to present as much information about food, about antimicrobial resistance? How did you get to this point? Yeah, that is such a great question. And yeah, I think because of my history and everything, that's one reason I've been very excited to talk to you today. And um, yeah, it's, you know, I think it really started. So when I was diagnosed um, with cancer um, a few years ago now, 
um, I just became so acutely aware of, you know, not only the importance of, you know, what was going into my body in terms of medicine, like something like antibiotics, which, you know, as you probably are aware, are so precious to those who are being treated or going through cancer or, you know, associated surgeries, chemotherapy, you know, and, but not only that, but then, you know, it's so critically tied to this, like you said, what is going into your body in terms of nutrition and like the food you're eating. And, you know, I, I don't think it was until I found, you know, Food Animal Concerns Trust that I kind of put those two together as much because, of course, I had known about the food safety aspects, you know, while you're going through cancer and you're immunocompromised, you have to be really careful. You know, everything has to be cooked super well. You need to make sure you're not eating anything that could have, you know, bacteria in it or heaven forbid, antibiotic resistant bacteria. And, you know, when I got to, and one of the reasons I was interested in fact was because they really, you know, tie these two together, like the importance of having healthy foods and, you know, limiting the excessive overuse of antibiotics in animal agriculture and ensuring that, you know, then these resistant superbugs or antibiotic resistant bugs that are forming aren't getting into food and aren't getting into those populations who are most vulnerable and, you know, who are more susceptible to these infections and who need functioning antibiotics the most. So probably a roundabout way of saying it, but I, you know, I really became, yeah, interested a little while ago in antibiotic resistance, but kind of really, yeah, honed my love for it when I got to fact, which was cool. And I appreciate your your comment on that. And I'm going to highlight what you said. You also talked about antibiotics being precious because a, a lot of people may go, oh my gosh, they don't want antibiotics. They're resist, you know, like it's all bad. It isn't. Uh, you know, if it weren't for antibiotics, we would suffer. Um, my son needed them in order to live those first few days. So they have their place and they are very valuable, but they don't have their place everywhere, right? There's this moderation thing that is so important because we want to save, and I'm going to quote you, the vulnerable population. And that is really important to focus on. And your history is is also personal because you worked in a laboratory setting looking at infectious organisms. So you have an in-depth way of looking at it from a scientific background as well. What are you feeling in general uh, about how we're using antibiotics? Is it just so that we can keep prices down, uh, food cheaper, or food lasts longer? What do you feel is a, a major contributing factor? Yeah. And that's such a great question because I think, you know, a lot of times I, I don't even think I was a hundred percent aware of, you know, where primarily our antibiotics are even being used. And unfortunately our antibiotics are being excessively overused in, 
industrial farming. You know, two thirds of the antibiotics that are shared between people and animals are going to animals and often not to treat clinical disease present in animals, but instead to compensate for, you know, poor, crowded, unhealthy conditions um, where animals are getting sick and, you know, they're being weaned too early from their moms, you know, the they're not being fed proper diets, so they're given antibiotics to prevent liver abscesses. And, you know, it's unfortunately, a lot of them are being used, you know, mostly preventatively for these conditions, which really, you know, could be improved. And that's, it's kind of unfortunate, because we do see of course, overuse and misuse in human medicine as well. Absolutely. But again, like I said, when, you know, two thirds of them are being used in animals, you know, that's a, that's the majority of where they're going. And we'd like to see a lot more changes in that sector. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate you saying that they're used for prevention, right? And none of us are on antibiotics preventatively unless there's those very, 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 very few <laughs> cases where that ever exists for yeah. people. But what we are creating is a bigger problem. And having worked in the medical field, there are a few resistant bugs out there that even as healthcare professionals, they're like, we just, you know, you have to wear this, this, and this, because if you get this, um, there's nothing we can do for you. Like you have to just hope your immune right. system's good. And, and then your immune system may not be good because of all the different foods that you've been consuming, uh, processed and, and not necessarily in the best place. What do you feel just hands out? Someone's listening like, okay, well, what's one thing I can do? Because, you know, do you eat eggs? Do you don't eat eggs? Right. Or you don't want to go the back and forth. What's yeah. one thing that you feel could help just a person listening? Definitely. So I think, you know, it's important to bring that up because as a consumer, you really you have a lot of power, you know, and one simple way to make a difference is to buy meat from local producers who raise animals humanely or look for products that are raised without antibiotics or without the routine use of antibiotics. And like you were bringing up, um, just processed foods and, you know, quality of food in general. And, you know, not only is buying locally, you know, important and, you know, buying this meat that is raised without this excessive use of antibiotics, not only beneficial for tackling the antibiotic resistance crisis, but for improving your health. I mean, as you know, cancer patients, you know, and a lot of people have increased nutritional needs, right? And animals raised humanely on pasture are much healthier than animals raised in confinement and consistently produce nutritionally superior meat, milk, and eggs, better fat quality, increased levels of essential vitamins and nutrients. So I think that's definitely something you can do. And, you know, and if you don't buy meat, if you don't eat meat, then I would say also, you know, I'll put in a little plug for what we do at FACT, but we often are, you know, writing to the FDA. We're in constant contact with 
Food and Drug Administration, other federal agencies, and often have ways that, you know, you can write to them. You can write to your um, kind of local um, Congress, um, congressional office, or your senator and, you know, tell them, kind of push for or promote better policies. And so that's something else. Yeah, I think those are kind of two critical things, whether you are buying or not buying meat. And I like what you talked about because ultimately it's about empowerment, right? We, we are, we are responsible and not all of us have the time to get our vegetables from our backyard or even with, with the yeah. new things, but also yeah. recognizing that the, the good bugs, right? We, we're almost over clean that, you know, we, we want to clean our vegetables, but if they're super, yeah. we're not even getting the good bacteria because we need them yeah. uh, to help us process. So having those local things, it's like when you travel and you don't feel good because you have different bacteria than your normal local bacteria in right. your system. <laughs> That is important to to help you feel better. And it is empowerment. And I think sometimes we forget how important we are because we get constant images and marketing. You need this, this, and this, and this. But what we need, we decide. And that is okay for us mm -hmm. to figure that out. And I love the empowerment. Not everyone will sit down and write a congressman, but where and how you purchase, like people look into that because they want your money and they want yeah. to know where the money's not coming from. And if we only spend our money on, you know, putting it into local things, putting it into products or meats that do not have hormones, well, then that's how the shift will happen. It can happen without even one letter. It is how we spend our precious dollars. Absolutely. Uh, what you also mentioned was FDA. It's notoriously slow, <laughs> but it's also, it's, mm -hmm. it's very well recognized. It's also very well lobbied. And I'd like you to share a little bit from your own experience of, of why it's so slow to act. That is a great, that's a great question. I think one that I'm, you know, we've been trying to figure out, we've been working on these issues for uh, a long time and, you know, sometimes it can be, um, hard to understand. And yeah, like I said, I mean, there is this significant misuse and overuse of antibiotics in animals. And, you know, the Food and Drug Administration has the ability, and we really think absolutely has the responsibility to curb and restrict this overuse. And, you know, they are responsible for protecting the public health and ensuring that our drugs are safe, you know, including antibiotics so that we can use them for, you know, the populations that need them the most. And I would say, you know, I'm not 100% sure why things seem to be so sluggish sometimes, but, you know, I will say, um, on a more positive note, I think we have seen that a little bit of progress, you know, we have seen progress and, and I think that's why organizations like um, Food Animal Concerns Trust and a lot of colleagues we work with are still, you know, fighting the good fight. I think we still believe that, you know, we can see um, differences in policies implemented. And, you know, and if you look at even what the European Union has done, 
Um, you know, they've banned now preventive uses in animal agriculture and, you know, set targets for reducing antibiotic use. And, you know, so I think it's definitely possible for, you know, the U.S. as an industrial um, farming country to, you know, implement these things and do them. And I think, yeah, not totally sure what always the hold up is but you know I think we're we're trying to keep pushing them I mean we constantly um you know we meet quarterly with the Food and Drug Administration and specifically the Center for Veterinary Medicine and that is one of the things we I will say consistently bring up is okay timelines timelines like let's get things moving so you know, I'd like to think that us keeping pushing is still <laughs> having an effect. And I think that's important because to, to bring up. Sometimes it's not our job or our lifetime that we will get something to cross the finish line, but we can very much get that brought up. And maybe that's the next person behind us in that occupation or in the next generation to, to keep moving forward. It does not mean yeah. that it's not helpful. And I think that is also very much front of mind. And I really like that you talked about that we have antibiotics for the population that needs them. And, you know, I don't always think about what population needs them, but you you will think about it when you are or someone you love is in the population yeah. that needs them. And so, uh, you know, nothing gets more personal than personal stories, but I think right. that's a really profound way of saying that. Share with others, please about fact and, and how they can, you know, gain one or two things that can gain a, a good resource that has f real, real facts, truly, and not just fiction and, and a lot of opinions. Yeah. And, you know, I may or may not have mentioned this in the beginning, but, you know, fact is, you know, we're a national nonprofit. Really, we do two main things are we're split up into two programs. One is our humane farming program where we provide critical resources to help farmers adopt humane farming practices and promote sustainable food systems through webinars, educational tools, grants, mentoring. Um, and then we also, through our Safe and Healthy Food program, which I'm a part of, that's where we do this kind of urging of governmental as well as corporate um action to reduce the threat of antibiotic resistance and, you know, the threat that's driven largely by this overuse of antibiotics. And so whether or not you are um, a consumer or, you know, you might be a farmer or you might be, yeah, trying to produce your own food or maybe you're just interested in learning more, you know, FACT is a great resource to find ways in which you can support a more sustainable, good food system, as well as, like I said, um, talk to federal agencies and kind of push policies that will help hopefully lessen the antibiotic resistance crisis. And our website is foodanimalconcernstrust.org. I enjoyed this conversation and I hope that you did as well. I learned so much about fact and it is really important to know that everything has its place, including antibiotics, including having an extra shake. But knowing when and where and how that affects your health 
and the health of your family is so important. And I wanted to offer you all a special gift today. So in the show notes below is a link and I would like to gift you some recipes. I have a real love of Mediterranean food, a real love of the Mediterranean diet, and I still like my taste buds. I still have the flavors that I love with that. And so that is below. And I encourage you to take charge of your health today and as well as learn more about what Madeline has to offer. And many blessings to you. And until next time, let's keep building one another up.